Welcome to your friendly neighborhood podcast, Go For Set Deck, a podcast about all things movie-related in the set deck or set decoration department. My name is Shana Warsham. I will be your host for this episode and all possible future episodes to come. I'm going to be talking to you about how many different functions and jobs and things that go into set decoration that most people don't know about. I've got some weird stories, some happy stories, some not so happy stories, and I'm hoping to interview people in the future about how our departments are supposed to work together and how ideally they should work together, but sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. So I also will be telling you how they should not work together. So this is really for anyone that's ever wondered about what it's like to make a movie or the set decoration aspect of the parts of making a movie, and or the people that are already working in the industry that just love to hear us talk shit about things. Everybody loves some hot goss every now and then. Well, I'm going to get straight down to business. You would think that for a first episode of a podcast, to ensure as many listeners as possible, and really to be as entertaining as possible, that you would start with the best topic that you could think of that would be really exciting and entertaining. Well, instead of doing that, I'm going to do the basics of set decoration. So welcome to Set Deck 101. There's a freeway in California called the 101, and it connects you to a lot of areas in LA. And I was trying to come up with a really clever analogy that would be something like the 101 has many adventures and I'm about to take you on one for set deck 101. But then I realized how much that doesn't really, I can't make it work because, you know, I'm not that quick, but I figured I'd tell you about it just in case anyone's wondering about freeways in California. I got you. I got you. I just covered that. So I'm going to move on to department positions and set decoration. I'm going to break down the position from the top to the bottom of set deck and how we all work together to get the job done because there is no unimportant position on a film set ever. Yeah, it's going to be really riveting stuff talking about job positions and what goes into them. I know everyone is excited and super pumped to hear about the definition of job positions. Yay! Also, side note. For anyone that doesn't know, set decoration is the technical name for the department that I work in. They shorten it to set deck. They, as in everyone who's working on a film set, just over the time, I think, to shorten it because that's what we do as human beings in life. We like to make things really short and fast and quick. So we've shortened it to set deck. And so they're one and the same, set decoration and set deck, by the way case you're wondering, which I'm sure you weren't, but to clear that up, here you go. But you're not here for a lesson on abbreviations. So I'm going to talk to you about the department that I personally work in. I work and take jobs as a set decoration buyer and a set decorator in the film industry. I've worked with many people that are lovely human beings And we will hopefully interview some of them in the future. Future is a word that I can say with my mouth. And I also have done TV, commercials, music videos, and films. So that's just 
a teeny tiny baby background of who I am and why I'm here talking to you about it. I really just want to share my experiences and my knowledge of 12 years in the film industry with anyone who's either trying to get into set decoration or just wants to know more about it because they're hungry for information since it's one of the lower end of departments that are covered as far as information goes out there on the interwebs. At least it was when I was trying to break into the film industry. I had the hardest time trying to find anything on set deck because I am just a person that likes to read everything I can about the thing that I want to do. And the only real background information I found about set deck was the set decorators society of america so i used to read their website and articles and email the decorators that were on their list which i'm not sure if you can still do but um, everyone emailed me back or no one did and they just basically said please don't please don't email me (laughs) so this is for anyone that's either trying to break into the industry and just needs a little guidance or an extra help or some encouragement. I am very empathetic to that. I feel you all day. The film industry is very hard to get into in a lot of cases, and this podcast is also for anyone who's just curious about it. I welcome everyone. Yeah, I guess we'll just get down to business. Oh, I should also probably mention that this this is not the end-all be-all holy grail of set decoration insight. I am just one person that works in the film industry, and this is just my perspective. And that's why I hope to bring some guests on later down the road and just have their perspective on set deck and their experiences. But for now, I just want to um, put that little nugget in there that says, hey, I'm just one person. And this is my point of view. And so I'll give you the rundown of how I feel about things and my definitions of things. But of course, there are one million other perspectives and many people that have done this before me that are way better. So I'm going to put that out there. And um, with that in mind, let's dig into some sweet decoration, job definitions, roles, what have you nots and what have you's. Firstly, there is the set decorator. This position is the head of the department set decoration, and a lot of the responsibilities will include selecting furniture. Occasionally, you'll design furniture. You tend to source set dressing with your buyer, and set dressing could involve potentially everything from a pencil to the table that the pencil's on, to a Ferris wheel. It could be this giant range of things depending on your script and the sets that you're given in those scripts. A set decorator just is the big decision maker. They also will make the budget for their department based off what they think they'll need as far as set dressing costs in a set. So if I have a convenience store set and the location is completely empty, I know that I'm going to have to budget for the racks and all of the entire food, candy, and drink situation to fill those racks and shelves. So if product placement isn't helping us and, you know, this is really truly worst case scenario, it sounds like a terrible idea. If location didn't provide something that we could just shoot at some form of ready, this would be a bad idea. 
Basically, you would want a budget for all those things from chips to shelves to lighting. And then you are going to also go to meetings with other department heads and you as a set decorator will work with the production designer to create each set. The production designer is your boss and they will provide the look and the feel that they want, the style that they're trying to lean towards to give you kind of like a guideline. And with that guideline, uh, you will take it as a set decorator and run with it. You'll decide uh, which pieces of furniture and so on will go in the set because you'll have your budget and your own guidelines. So that was a very long explanation for a very small part of the job. A pretty ginormous part of the job is decorating the set. That's something that you're going to do with your set deck team. So all the other positions that I will talk about, like set dressers, gang bosses, all of that I'll go into. But when you're a set decorator, you are going to run your team while you're on set and have them hang paintings, move couches where they need to go, move the table under the chandelier, adjust the rug, put something under the rug so it's not moving when the actors are running on it, X, Y, Z. You'll relay any really vital information and anything that comes out of your department head meetings that other departments request of you. So if you're on an ice rink and your AD says, for safety, we need stanchions around your giant Christmas tree, you will tell your set dressers, hey, the stanchions that our buyer got you need to put around the Christmas tree. That is what they are for. Just so the, all of the information is passed on from you to them if it wasn't in some other way, form, or from another person. Sometimes the lead will also be the person to relay that information if the decorator and lead have a hands-off situation, but I'll go into more of that when I talk about the lead position. When it comes to a lot of these responsibilities, there is a ton of gray area. Mostly because each person is going to have a different preference of how they like to run things and what they like to do, what they like to pass off to their lead or what they prefer to do themselves. I'm a very hands-on decorator when I decorate. I really love to get in there with smalls and dress it the way I want it because it's very difficult for me to explain or show someone what I want unless I've been working with them for years. Um, and they just know what my brain is going to be like. That is exactly what I was thinking. So it helps to have a very established relationship with your crew if you are so fortunate to have them for years. Another responsibility that you'll have as a set decorator is to make sure that there's character development in your department. When you have a set, you need to make sure that in your script, whatever character that you're dressing for, that their character comes through. So if I have 20-year-old's bedroom, for example, I'm not going to dress it with a bunch of 1980s moo outfits in the closet. You know, like I'm not going to put in the wrong size of clothing or the wrong size of shoe in their closet because you want the character and the actor when they show up in the character's bedroom to feel like they are in the right space for this character. Everything you put on set is something that should be put with intent. So if you have art, it should reflect the character's personality. The bedding should be have a backstory of its own. Maybe it's the character's mom that got the bedding for her or him before they went to college. So it's more of a handmade quilt instead of just a bought purchase Target 
off the shelf bedding because you know their family is close and you want to show that they have family values and they respect their mom. So they kept the bedding in their 20 year old's apartment that they're still living in. To give you an example of what I mean by character development through set decoration, you always want to enhance the character because visually you're giving the audience context clues to who this person is. So even if the script is explaining them, and even if their fellow supporting actors are explaining them in different contexts, you have the gift of being able to show your character's personality through items that you'll see on set. Something that I always love doing for my characters is artwork, because artwork says so much about a person. It can tell you how old they are. It can tell you if they're an old soul in a young person's body, because they tend to have you know, a more refined taste in art. So I always find that that's a great opportunity to really show character development. You also want to consider an actor's skin tone. There are a lot of colors that do not go well with certain skin tones. Like for me, for instance, I know I have more of a yellow skin base. So yellows aren't going to look great with my skin tone. And I want to keep that in mind for an actor If we have a bed scene, for instance, you don't want to get certain color sheets that aren't going to make the actor's skin look nice. You want to always consider, you know, those things when you have a living, breathing person functioning with the stuff on your set. You always want to make those things be prevalent when you're selecting things in your mind and just, you know, in general. But another thing is like, if you have a black actor, you don't want to put them on black sheets. Because, you know, the DP is going to have a harder time lighting them unless you're going for a very specific look and feel and storytelling moment. You know, there's always exceptions to the rules with film, just like there's a giant gray area for many of these roles and responsibilities. A lot of people will move and shift them around. So that's just a little note about character development and how it plays in set deck. I'll probably do a character development episode solely for set deck and how other departments play into that. But we'll see. We'll see what kind of topics we come up with. If there's any requests for topics, you're welcome to email them to me. I'm going to set up an email account and I will be adding it to the back of this podcast. And you can email your hearts away to that email address. And I'm also going to set up an Instagram account which you're also welcome to visit and stop in and say hi to. But we're not quite done with this episode, so we're going to continue on and move on to the lead man position, which is one of the most essential positions in the set deck department and, in my opinion, in the whole filmmaking process itself. They are so vital and they do so much and... (laughs) Also, in my opinion, they are so undervalued. I, when you have a lead man that works well with you as decorator, it's invaluable. It's your biggest asset, but it can make or break a show if you have a bad lead man, because that is your right hand. And without them, you have no backbone. So I'll get into a couple things that they do and they're responsible for. Number one, they are in charge of running the dressers and organizing the trucks on the day-to-day. They handle a lot of the logistics that the decorator won't do. But the lead will also handle a lot of the interactions with other departments because of 
all of the logistics that they handle. So when the decorators in the 17 meetings and can't go to set and measure something, they will send the lead or another person. But the lead will also go to things like a tech scout, which is something that I'll familiarize you guys with later. And they'll take notes. They'll get the team all phoned in with details and on the same page. They'll keep everyone organized. And they'll also do time cards for the set deck crew, which will mostly just be game boss and set dressers. The rest of the set deck department will be handled by the coordinator. But that's also something I'll get into after this. The lead man will also be in touch with other departments if they need something done on set or if the decorator is asking for something, the lead man will tend to get it done. They are the executor of the the wish list of things that we have to accomplish in a day. <laughs> they relay a lot of information to other departments. And just as an example, to give you kind of an idea of something that, that a lead man might handle would be if we're dressing a set and we've put all the set dressing, like I said earlier, the tables, the pencil, the Ferris wheel. If we put everything into the set and Grip and Electric, which is another department we'll get into later, needs to take over the set to get things ready for their end. And we're not done dressing, but they need items moved. They will tend to go to the lead man and ask them directly, hey, can you have your guys move, you know, the kitchen stuff out of the way so we can get in there and wire and hang all the stuff we need to do so our end is covered for this set tomorrow. And we will. The set dressers will come in and move it for them. As a set deck department, you always want to handle your own items. You don't want grip and electric or a PA or someone outside of your department moving your things because there could be stuff that they don't know about your items. Like if you have a kitchen table, for instance, and you purposely didn't latch the lock that keeps the table together because you know that you're going to have to move it to put the rug under it tomorrow. So you're doing this. This is a bad example because you shouldn't do that. You should always work safely first. But say you're doing that, even though you shouldn't. And then someone comes in and tries to move your kitchen table, but it's not locked. So they end up pulling it apart and then it falls and then it ends up damaging the table. Who knows how much this kitchen table is? It could be $3,000. So you guys could be in big trouble. So you always want to handle moving your stuff if it's in your department. And that goes for other departments too. Grip always should move their own equipment. And lighting and electric should always move their own equipment because each department knows their stuff. And you don't want to be up in someone's business that you don't belong in just because there could be information that you don't have. So I could talk a lot about that and I'm not going to, but yeah, just stay in your corner and touch your own shit. The lead man will also issue out call times. They are responsible for the set dressers and they will be the person to issue call times, which is when they would report to set. They organize the pickups for the day And they can sometimes pass this responsibility off to a couple other people if they have that relationship. But normally it's the lead man who will organize the day of the set dressers. They'll think about how many times they need to escape traffic for the trucks. They don't want trucks caught up in traffic. They need to figure out or know how long a truck is going to take to get to the set. 
then to the prop house, then back to the set. So though it's a lot of logistics. It's a ton of planning and you really are normally a meticulous organized person doing this. But you know, another thing about the film industry is you're great with chaos if you're working in the film industry. So I've worked with lead men that have just been great with handling chaos. And so instead of, you know, organizing a meticulous list of pickups and where we're going and what's happening, they will just organize by the feel of what they want to do that day. And it works, you know, everyone has a different process. So I'm not going to shit on the people that don't organize meticulously, but I do see a better result to the day when we do plan for the things that we need to. Yeah, when you are a decorator, you really can't put a price on how valuable a good lead is and having a good relationship that you just have mutual respect for one another and you're working such long hours. You do 12 to 16 hours a day, honestly, if I'm being real. So you really want to have a good relationship with your lead. And once you find a good lead, you hold on for dear life and never let them go because a good lead is a majestic unicorn straight up being real. They are amazing. And it is very difficult to find someone that you work on a very great level with. And someone that I personally work with on that level with is a lead man named Jen Hicks. She's amazing. And I truly hope to interview her soon for this podcast because her insight and her protocol and her her organization are all across the board, a plus, 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 plus billion. So in order for a lead to obtain the majestic unicornness, they need to have gang bosses. And a gang boss is normally the position that's under a lead that will be in charge of handling lunch receipts for the set dressers to make sure everyone's either getting reimbursed or you know, having a float of PC that they pay them out of. I'll get more into what PC is, but it's petty cash that we get issued in the beginning of a show to make purchases like lunch. And another responsibility that falls under the gang boss position would be to run a set. And so if we have the set that's the liquor store, and then we have the grocery store, and then we have the telemarketer's office, you could have three of your gang bosses split up those sets and each one will run a team of set dressers to complete that set. And so a decorator could give that gang boss, or technically they would go to the lead first with the list of things that need to get done. And then the lead would pass it on to the gang boss that's in charge of the set that those notes are for. So sometimes you'll only have one gang boss and the lead will use them as their right-hand person. So if the lead needs to be in the office, that is because they need to organize the truck for the next day or the schedule for the next day or the times for the set dressers to get there the next day or who's going to be on for the next week or the next four weeks, they have a person, which is the game boss, that can go to set and carry out whatever needs to be done on set while we're prepping. So if they just need to give the set dressers some direction, they can send a gang boss in their uh, place. So then that way there's some kind of authority figure that's tapped into all the notes and things that need to get done and accomplished. And they have someone there for support and 
if there's lunch, they are told to take it. And it just clears up a lot of the time that gets spent kind of waiting for instructions. So it's always good to have a gang boss running a set. Or a lot of teams in set deck will have no gang boss and they'll just have every core set dresser be the person that runs the set. So if you're in the core position as a set dresser, which just means that you're on for the entire show, normally a movie will have four to six core set dressers. So you're hired at the beginning and you are a guaranteed spot till the end of wrap. So core set dresser would just mean that you have more responsibility because you're, you're not a day player. You're not coming in and out of set and you are very tapped into what's going on on the daily. So I kind of just went into the set dresser position a little bit on accident, but that is basically to sum up the gang boss, you are there to support your lead man. And a lot of teams and duos work differently. So I'm not going to go into too many other responsibilities that a gang boss will have just because every show can be completely different. Every team can be completely different and every dynamic for a lead man and a gang boss can be different. But basically you are there to support the lead man and do what they need you to. So a set dresser comes right after a gang boss and a set dresser will be the person that is ideally in the union and they are well-versed in all safety guidelines on how to be, this is for all union people on a, on a film, but set dressers for our department are key. They need to know safety because they're the ones that are wiring sconces or they're the ones who are hanging pictures that weigh 200 pounds or they're the ones that are changing out a chandelier in the ceiling of this location that is someone's house. And so you always want a team of very informed and safe set dressers. You also want people that are motivated to be there because an attitude is everything for our department. You don't really want someone who is angry to be there and literally is only there to eat lunch and get a paycheck because it kind of brings down the morale of a set deck team because our jobs are hard. The set deck department has hard jobs, just like film people in general. It's a, it's a difficult industry. So having an attitude and being a set dresser, it can pass off and take away from the morale of the team. But you'll have somewhere around 10 set dressers on a show with day players included in that number. So I explained what a core member is. If you're a set dresser, that's a core member. You'll be on from the beginning and you'll finish till the end. And if you're a day player, you can be called to work for a couple weeks. You can be called to work for a day. You can not have really any plan at all and just get a call time, you know, a couple hours before the next day. So really it depends on the lead knowing you, working with you in the past, and just giving you a call when they need extra people. Oh, something that's really important that the lead man is in charge of that I did not mention uh, when I was defining their role, they are responsible for giving the UPM a man day breakdown, which is a breakdown of how many people a day for each day of prep, shooting, and wrap they will need. So they have to predict, I need four set dressers on this day, eight set dressers on this day because it's a heavy prep day, a heavy wrap day, 
and a shoot day that we would have to open set for. So that would be a very difficult day to get through with only four people because you need to be on three sets just alone before pickups. So you would be spread really thin with just four people. So that's why you would have a crew of eight on that day because it's a very heavy day for set deck as opposed to if you only have to open set that day and that's the only thing that's scheduled, then you'll have time for your pickups. You'll have time to get everything else done after you open that set the morning or whatever call time is. So you could do four set dressers that day just to give you an idea of why you would schedule more set dressers on one day than you would the next. So the lead man would have to turn that in. But yes, a day player would be half of those days that would come in and and work for whenever the lead needs to fill those spots for. Which brings me next to a set decoration buyer. That segue was not at all connected. Uh, I just didn't know how to transition that gracefully. So here it is non-gracefully. A set decoration buyer is the decorator's other right hand. So if you had an expression for the other right right hand, which it's definitely not the left hand. So I guess to give you a better visual, let's say the lead man is the decorator's right hand and the buyer is the decorator's left hand. I personally think that they are normally on about the same level for certain reasons. I know that um, Jen Hicks and I have had a conversation about this, the lead man that I previously mentioned, who is a majestic unicorn. She does not feel that they are at the same level, but in my training in the commercial world, the buyer is just as important as the lead for certain reasons. But, you know, you can't really do a job without help. So that's more of why I think they're so essential, the buyer. And the buyer will do so much more on a certain job. Sometimes they're asked to step in the decorator's shoes for certain things because the decorator can only be in one place. And a lot of the times a show can't afford an assistant decorator. So sometimes a buyer will do a lot that's above and beyond their responsibility list and they just don't get credit for it. So I have a lot of sympathy for the set deck buyer because I've worked as one for many years. The responsibilities that a buyer might have will be to source tons of things that are very difficult to find to all the easy things that you can just order off of Amazon. And they will also have to organize envelopes. A pickup envelope is something that has the date, the vendor, the address, the hours of the vendor, the set name, a description, so you can write the item that it is, And this envelope is used as a tool to communicate throughout our department. So the buyer buys something, they will fill out an envelope, say it's for a prop house. So one of our local Atlanta prop houses is Caps. So we're going to Caps, we're going to pick up a coffee grinder, a restaurant, full set of plateware, dishware, and silverware. And we'll write the number of items we're going to get. We'll write the hours, the contact name, the contact number, the episode number, if it's a TV show. And each lead man has a different template for a pickup envelope that they like to use. The buyer will fill out this pickup envelope. It'll go in the lead's 
box. The lead will distribute it for pickup for whichever day the pickup date is set. They have the instructions of what it is, and the buyer will also convey any notes that need to go along with it. Some assembly required, XYZ is really heavy, it might need a forklift, they need a call before you come, those kind of notes will be indicated. But the buyer will do tons of envelopes throughout the show, and it's basically handed off to the lead, who then has it to prep a set and wrap a set. So once you're picking up the items, you're making sure they're all accounted for by checking off on the envelope and all of the required information is provided in it. And then once you wrap a set, once you're finished shooting it, you also have the information of where each item on set goes to. So you always want to keep them set by set basis with these envelopes. So a buyer can have a lot of control of how well-informed and how well-oiled a set deck team runs, which is why I feel they're so important. Because if you have a not so experienced buyer or a not so motivated buyer, it can really slow your team down and be a detriment for the rest of the show. It really is like shooting yourself in the foot when you have to run a marathon. It blows. But we're going to talk about the good side of things. So a buyer can really help the team function really efficiently and make everyone's lives easier. It'll lead to a lot less stress for the decorator if you have a strong buyer and a lot less stress for the lead. So it makes everyone happy when you have a great set deck buyer. They also will be responsible for their receipts. You need to make sure that you turn in your receipts as a set deck buyer to your set deck coordinator. And you do that because your set deck coordinator is a position that tracks the budget. So in order for the set decorator to keep an eye on the budget and make sure everyone is good and all the sets are covered with money and they don't have to go talk to the producers about, hey, I'm broke, give me some more money. So as a buyer, you have that power to really fuck up a set decorator's day if you're not turning in receipts. And then all of a sudden, a week later, you turn in 50 grand worth of receipts. That decorator is about to have a real bad day. There's so much responsibility and weight that goes into the set deck buyer position. And I, I speak passionately about that just because I've lived that position. And I think that's why Jen, our lovely magical unicorn, speaks so passionately about the lead man position is because that's what she does. That's her world. And I really do hope I can feature her someday on here because she's just a, tr- a treasure trove of knowledgeable information and set deck nuggets. So I'm going to beg her to definitely do an interview for sure. But the set deck coordinator position is a really hard job. It's very difficult for so many reasons, but I think the biggest one and the biggest gripe that we are always having from the set deck department universe is our set deck coordinators are never considered mandatory, which is bananas because of how much change has accumulated over the years for set deck. Set deck coordinators are considered an optional position, which in my opinion, they're not optional. They help us function on so many levels and it's a very underpaid position. So you have to do a lot of work for very little pay. And in the film industry, 
you're giving up so much and you're sacrificing so much of your social life and time that having this lower paid job for such hard work is very difficult to get a strong set deck coordinator. And I really do hope that in the future, a set deck coordinator becomes a complete, absolute, vital, necessary position in the film world and producers just write them into their budgets because it's very difficult to do a job without a set deck coordinator. And I'll explain why. Number one, they are in charge of your budget. They are money people. They are automatically very important because they see numbers, they track your stuff, and they're inputting everything for accounting. So they're doing part of accounting's job by doing all this clerk work, entering receipts, tracking the budget, and then working with accounting to make sure that everything is entered, all the P-card receipts, which is your credit card for the department. All of those receipts are getting turned in on time. Everything's getting turned around. They're also tracking assets. If a show has a number that they don't want you to go over an item without it being documented, I said that weird. A number of items will be marked as assets because they have a certain value worth. So if you have, say you have a circus wheel and that circus wheel costs $350 and for the entire show, your asset number will be 250. So if an item is over $250, it is an asset. And at the end of the show, that production company is going to want to know where that item is. So every time a buyer turns in an envelope with receipts, anything that is marked an asset, they have to put in their notes. And a lot of the times there's more than just one P card floating around for the department. The coordinator will be doing receipts for their P card, for the PA's P card, for the decorator's P card, for the buyer's P card, for the lead man's P card, for the gang boss's P card. And if you have a bunch of gang bosses and they all have P cards, guess who's doing those receipts and envelopes? It's still the coordinator that is not considered a necessary position on all shows. So you can hear that I'm a bit salty about it <laughs> um, because I do get in fights with UPMs about whether or not I can have a set deck coordinator because it's not a position that's considered union and it's not a position that is written in to the set deck crew always. And I feel it should be. It's a war that I'm willing to not stop fighting. And I encourage all decorators to always fight for their coordinators and we just really need to get their rates up. And so this is also a plea just to help us raise awareness for why set deck coordinators are so important and why they should be paid accordingly. So I'll get off my soapbox and I'll continue to list what a set deck coordinator does because it doesn't stop with receipts. They also have the unfortunate uh, challenge of organizing art clearance. Because on a movie or a show or a commercial, you have to have clearance to show any art that is on screen. Sometimes that even includes sculptures. It can include murals. It can include an iron structure that's on top of a building that the location department chose and you had no say in it, but somehow it still falls to the coordinator to clear it. So they will be the person that will find the information of the source and they will get permission to clear it 
to either to find out if you have to pay a fee to clear it, if we need to remove it. They're organizing all of that. And if you look at one set, say we have an easy set, a child's bedroom, an eight-year-old girl's childhood bedroom, you can have easily 10 pieces of art in just one room from your tabletop pictures that are just sitting on the nightstand, from the art hanging over the bed, from a mural that's painted and put up and framed on the other side of the wall. You can have so many things in just one set. So if you have a show or a movie that has 30 sets, that's already 300 pieces of art. You can easily get really bogged down with art clearances. And it is the art coordinator's responsibility to make sure that it's all cleared and everything is usable so we don't get in trouble because I have definitely gotten in trouble (laughs) before in the past when you show something that is not cleared and you don't want legal ramifications for the company that you're working for. That is no good. No one wants that. It's bad news for everybody. Bad news bears. So that's another task that they are set up for. So already two very difficult tasks. They are also responsible for product placement. If a set decorator makes a list of requesting product placement. And basically what product placement is, is what it sounds like. It's placement of products that are going to be featured on your sets that companies send you because they want to be associated with your film. It's basically like free advertising. They're sending you their product for free to be on camera for free. So there's a lot of logistics that go into that. And it is also probably an episode that I'll do solely by itself. But They would be the ones to request all of these items for the decorator that the decorator came up with, like a list for them to request. And then the coordinator will also be the one talking to the product placement representatives. So once the placement comes in, they'll hand it off to the lead and both will work together to keep track of what needs to be sent back at the end of the show, what can be used, what can be opened, X, Y, Z. So if Apple gives you 10 laptops, for for instance, then they're going to want them back at the end of the show. Very rarely will an Apple product just be like, hey, for free, you get it. So the lead and the coordinator will work as a team to make sure that those products are cared for and returned at the end of the show. So it's a very important job in itself. And it's also falling under the coordinator. This is getting to be a lot of work just on the day-to-day. Another thing that the coordinator will do is keep track of all the meetings that a decorator needs to go to. They'll make sure that they're informed about what time the meetings are, if there's changes to the meetings and the decorator doesn't track it. They will also update the calendars that we do breakdowns for shooting schedules and things. And just a hundred million other jobs will go into the set deck coordinator, their role it'll fall under their role. I just explained so many reasons why the set deck coordinator is vital. And I I can't even begin to list the million other things they do in a day, the phone calls they make, the hoops they have to jump through, but just know they are very essential to the set deck department. And if you are a set deck coordinator, you are a sweet baby angel. And I, I love you so very much and all of your effort that you put into your job doesn't go unnoticed. 
especially Jessica Baker. If you ever listen to this, I love you and you're amazing. Sweet baby, Jessica Baker Angel. She saved me a million times on a job that we did actually with Jen Hicks. And they're so great, both truly beautiful people. And just seeing the stuff that she had to do on the show, it's it's very hard. It's hard. And I just want to recognize that everyone does that does that job is great. You guys are all great. And I hope that we get a secured union position for all of you with a solid rate one day. That is my goal. Truly hope it happens. And I will always strive for it. So I'm moving on to the set deck assistant. A lot of people will refer to this position as the set deck PA, but technically that means set decoration production assistant. So it's redundant. You are technically just a set deck assistant. So the responsibilities that will go into that position will be, you will have to pick up lunch for the set deck department. You will have to place lunch orders for the set deck department. You will have to do research for pictures of whatever we might need for our sets. So if we need some research photos for a 1986 carnival, you'll be the person that will look up those photos and give them to us because we need reference for what we're about to do. Another couple responsibilities that will fall under a set deck assistant will be to run certain items to set right before filming. So that can always be very stressful and to print things, to update calendars. It's kind of a catch-all for things that we just need done as a department as a whole. And if someone forgets their keys on their desk, this set deck assistant might have to run them, you know, silly things like that. So it seems like a non-vital role to the department, but let me tell you, if you have a department of people that are working a 12-hour day and they do not have lunch, they turn into a bunch of nightmarish monsters that are not very nice to each other and they get very grouchy and at heart, we all just want to be fed. So a set deck assistant helps make our entire movie possible because they feed us and make us happy, non-nightmarish, crazy monsters. That brings us full circle all the way back around to there are no unimportant roles on a film set, movie set, TV show set, commercial set, on set. (laughs) Um, I'm going to move on to the last position that we're going to cover in just the bare bones basics of set decoration positions, and that will be the on-set dresser. The on-set dresser is the person that always stays with the company, the, the company being production, production being the people that are filming. So while a majority of the set deck team will be hopping around prepping a set, wrapping a set, get opening a set to get ready for filming, the on-set dresser only stays with production. They will be there to make sure that if set dressing needs to get moved, that they're moving it. If an item needs to be angled and propped up with tape so it's not giving off a reflection, they're there to do that. And they just basically take care of any of the DP's needs from set deck or any of the needs from the director from set deck. If things need to be moved, they also do an extremely important thing, which is continuity. Continuity is vital for the onset dresser to track because I can dress a set as a decorator 
and have it how I want it. And then once company shows up and they start filming and I've opened set and left, open set basically just means once the first shot gets done, you've set everything up that the director needed from you or DP needed from you and you just made sure there's no hiccups. So you're just opening the set and then once they start shooting, you kind of skedaddle to go do X, Y, Z. Unless you're not that busy and you can kind of hang out and stay with them while they film. But usually you're slammed and you can't stay. I digress. An onset dresser will track continuity. They will take photos. They will note any changes. They will make sure if a rug gets pulled for a shot that when they move to the full room shot that they put the rug back. They just note things like that and they always want to make sure that at the end of wrap you have continuity photos of your set in case there's reshoots because sometimes if you have a reshoot down the road you're not going to remember what was in the corner of that room and you need those photos that an onset dresser provides so you have them and it's documented. You occasionally will get an additional onset dresser to help your onset dresser. If there's a really big set and you're going to have to move a lot of things, you don't want to abandon them and leave them just to move them themselves or make it required that other departments help your onset dresser move things. It's not very nice. So that's just a couple things that an onset dresser will do. And this is really the bare bones of what a set decoration department will have as far as positions. It's pretty complicated, but straightforward at the same time. And a lot of the positions, a lot of people just don't know what each person does. So hopefully this helps someone somewhere. And that is about it. I'm going to wrap it up for this episode. And hopefully next episode, we will have a guest and I will learn how to do all the audio technology things. And it will be amazing. So thanks for listening. If you've made it this far, you are my hero and I give you all of the stars and stickers that I can digitally and virtually through this microphone, which is not very many, but with my heart, I give you lots of thanks. So thank you. And uh, if you want to contact me through the email address is go, G-O, for F-O-R, set, S-E-T, deck, D-E-C, podcast at gmail.com. And the name for the Instagram handle for our podcast or for my podcast, I keep saying R like there's an invisible person with me, but there's not. So I'll just keep going is go for set deck podcast at Instagram. That's the handle for that. And hopefully I set up a Patreon and get things going and learn how to do all the technical editing. And so then that way I can increase the audio sound. (laughs) The audio sound sounds funny because the sound is audio. So uh, I can increase the level of audio and sound for this podcast and make everyone's ears bleed less. So thank you for tuning in. I'm Shana Worsham. This is Go For Set Deck, and I hope that it's been insightful and some kind of adventure that I've taken you on on Set Deck 101. And nuts, I already have a correction, but since I've finished editing the episode, I'm just going to add it at the end. Jen Hicks got married and I have this terrible habit of calling her Jen Hicks. 
Her name is actually Jen Knight. Sorry about it, Jen. So here's my correction. Thank you and good night.